Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunching Enthusiast over at Sockman Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. This week, I am doing the January wrap-up because when you hear this, it will be February. We will have officially survived January 2021, aka the extension to 2020. I will be wrapping up all of the new movies that debuted on Hallmark under the New Year New Movies formerly known as Winterfest, and then recapping the books that I made it through, which is basically Bridgerton, and looking ahead to February. So let's go. First, if this were a seriously sponsored podcast, this week would have to be brought to you by a mix between Hallmark and the Kindle app. You know, Corona works hard, but Hallmark has found a way to work harder. This new movies every Saturday, they bring me back to life after very long weeks at times. And especially January can be really super long. And then the Kindle app, um, it's the only place where I was able to download the Bridgerton books because they are literally sold out everywhere, even Amazon, to get an in-person copy. One day I will own them in paperback form, but that's not today. So yeah, thanks Hallmark and thanks Kindle app for making January go by incredibly fast. Taking a shot at love, let's get into the Hallmark reviews. I am so excited for this. This was the first movie of the year, had a lot of hopes riding on it because we were not dealing with Winterfest this time around. Stars Alexa Pina Vega and Luke McFarlane. And honestly, this was the one for me. I marked it as a favorite. This is the best movie that either of them have been in. And it's not that I've hated the other movies they've been in. For the most part, I'm just like, eh, it was okay, but eh. Like something is always off. It's normally the chemistry. Usually the storyline too has just never suited either of the characters. This one was it. So this synopsis reads, Jenna, a former professional dancer, uses ballet to help a hockey player get back on the ice. I can't say enough nice things about this one. The amount of times that I busted out laughing, Luke's character, Brian, plays a hockey player who's supposed to play for the New York Rangers. He has injured himself, his knee, and he's been rehabbing it, doing all these different rehabs. Nothing has worked. And his manager says, hey, my cousin is ballet dancer. She had the same injury as you and she was able to rehab herself. So you should go try working with her. And he's like, really ballet? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess if I have to, like, this is going to help me. The After the first time that they do this, the next day, he's walking up to the house. He's like, <laughs> the way he was walking, I'm like, yes, that is that is exactly how you walk after doing a full-on ballet class of any kind. And he's like, what did you do to me? She's like, oh, yeah, these are using all the small, like, tiny muscles that you never realized that you ever had to really use before. Loved it. The most unbelievable part to me was that they made Alexis character an ex-prima ballerina. And that for me, I was like, we could have just said she was a ballerina. We didn't have to go into a prima ballerina. Because, like, that's just not believable. (laughs) But anyway, loved it. Loved the storyline. And honestly, I was so excited because the final 10 minutes were coming up. And I'm like, I I really don't know how they're going to end this. I really don't. Like, I'm totally flummoxed right now. What I love most is that 
I love when two mature adults can make mature adult rational decisions and there's no stupid miscommunication storyline thrown in. I love that. I love to see that. Loved this movie. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. You definitely have to watch this one. A New Year's resolution. This was second on the list. I was so excited to get to this one because it stars Michael Rady, aka Costos from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and Amy Teagarden. Okay, this synopsis reads, when a morning show producer makes a New Year's resolution to say yes more, she crosses paths with a confirmed yes man. This synopsis is literally half of the whole story. Like, Hallmark slept on this synopsis. I can't even. So, first of all, yes, she has decided her New Year's resolution is to say yes to anything that she has asked or invited to do in the month of January. She makes this um, resolution on New Year's Eve with her friends. This is when she meets Michael's character. And so he is aware of this. He basically instantly likes her, but realizes, and I love this, that he can't ask her to go do things for the month of January because he wants her to make the decision to do things because she wants to, not because she's made this resolution to say yes to everything. So first, I just need to say that we love and we stand a man who's like, I'm not asking you because I want you to say yes because you want to do it. But I just want you to know that on this day and time, I will be here in case you two would like to be at this place on this day and time. We love that. And he just, he can play that character so well. But anyway, the larger point to this whole movie, and this is what made it really good because it just layered it on here. So she is a morning show producer. She gets this tip that the bank that he was kind of high up working in is creating extra accounts under the uh, account holder names that people are not aware of. So she actually goes to him and says, you know, I have this tip. We cannot date because if anything goes south with this, it would look really bad if we were together. And I don't want there to be any bad feelings between us. But they end up kind of falling for each other anyway. Oh, she gets to go like he brings her to his family's sister's birthday party, whatever. Oh, it was so cute. It was so cute. Anyway, and they go on a date to play board games. We love that. And she loves board games. Anyway, he finds out that it's true. And he has this internal monologue when he talks to his friend. And he's like, okay, but I told her that I would go to her if I found out. But if I go to her first, what if the bank doesn't know? And then everything's going to get shut down. So he goes to his boss and then he does tell her, we love this because there is no stupid miscommunication. We are adults. We have open and honest conversations with one another, even if it is messy or uh, awkward. We love that. We love that. And she's obviously very mad. Anyway, he fixes it in the end. And again, with 10 minutes to go, I was like, well... I have no idea where this is going because we are already miles ahead of so many of the typical storylines because, you know, they could have just fallen on the she heard it from someone else and so on and so forth. But no, he was open and honest with her and we love that. So 10 out of 10, highly recommend this one too. 
Okay, this one blows my mind because the Hallmark app, I keep seeing so much hate about this movie and I don't understand. Two for the win, starring Trevor Donovan and Charlotte Sullivan. You guys, I don't understand. Paula D wrote, love the actor, story was okay, the movie was just missing something. I, like, why? It just, oh, Okay, here's another one. Always love Hallmark movies, but this movie was not fact-checked at all. If you know anything in ski racing, I would recommend not watching this movie. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing watching a Hallmark movie looking for the critique <laughs> on the accuracy of ski racing? I'm sorry, Kim, Jay. Um, I don't ever want to watch a Hallmark movie with you. That's all I can say. I don't ever want to watch a Hallmark movie with you. This one, though, this is what I mentioned in my TikTok review because this one blows me away. Rebecca A slash Nana. Kind of upset with this movie. I love Trevor Donovan, but this storyline was too weak for him. I was actually bored. Please. I love Hallmark and your movies, but this one missed the target for me. Thank you again for your movies. Okay, Nana, I am here to address you and you alone about this movie. So the synopsis reads, a world champion ski racer and a local ski instructor find romance on the slopes as he returns home and prepares for the biggest race of his life. So Trevor plays a world famous Olympic winning skier who has been injured and off of the circuit for over a year. He goes back home to prep for this race that they do every couple of years, I guess, and reconnects with his old friend Charlotte who used to be his coach before he went off big time, they never dated, okay? They never dated. This was not like ex, you know, ex-boyfriend, girlfriend kind of angstiness. No. With 43 minutes left, they're talking outside and he's like, it's always been you. And he just like, I don't want to say aggressively, but with passion, just lean, I don't, not even leans, like, kisses her I was like what I looked at my watch I was like it's um 10 12 there what this movie doesn't even end until 11 you know when this happens that it's gonna be good okay then with 20 minutes left things have happened that I I won't talk about but then they both admit like hey like we can't be together they both admit that they love each other when does that ever happen? I ask you, when does that ever happen? Mature relationships, no drama, no stupid miscommunications and admitting that you both love each other and you want the other person to do what you know ultimately is best for them. Nana, Kim, Paula, I don't know what movie you were watching clearly was not the same movie that I was watching. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Again, we got to the end and I'm like, I, I don't know. I Like, I feel like it could go this way. Feel like it could go this way. I don't know how it's going to end. And then the final song was Nell Horan, Black and White. I, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I don't know what they were watching. Clearly wasn't the same thing. 
A Winter Getaway was the fourth movie in the lineup. It stars Nazanin Contractor and Brooks Darnell. First of all, I'm putting it on record. I need Brooks Darnell and more things. And I really like Nazanin Contractor. She was in a Christmas movie on Movies and Mysteries with Anthony Cupo. That was the first time I had ever seen her in anything. Loved that one too. This reads, when an average guy is gifted a luxury trip, he is mistaken as a millionaire, but then sparks fly with the lovely concierge. So she plays Courtney, who is a VIP concierge trip planner, and he plays Joe, which is hysterical because he's an average Joe. Anyway, his friend is a millionaire, and he had planned this big luxury trip for he and his wife to Banff, and then they couldn't go. So instead of losing everything, he sends his friend instead. And I loved it. One, I loved it because I really want to go to Banff really bad. So this didn't help me ease that pain at all. I'm like, but I want to go. Two, I loved this because Brooks's character, Joe, is the insecure one. And I, and I want to like talk about why I think that's so important. In most of these movies, it's always the female role that is questioning her role or her worth or like the one having issues post a breakup and thinking that she's not good enough. And in this movie, it is completely flipped reversed. He is the one that is constantly questioning, you know, oh, she wouldn't even like me if she knew I was a normal person and um, like, I don't even have a really important big time job. And his friend, uh, very down to earth millionaire, dude, he's like, you are enough. And he keeps telling him, you are enough. You need to stop talking to yourself like this. You need to stop thinking these things. I thought that was so refreshing. What I thought was even more refreshing is the fact that the actor who plays the millionaire best friend in real life had obviously had a cleft palate and... I love that because I just think it's so great that because actors, actresses, um, athletes, all of the, everyone that's famous, they actually are normal, regular people. And before they were ever famous, they were regular, normal people. And so I just think it's great that he felt comfortable enough that he wanted to be an actor. And despite having something that he obviously had no control over, like cleft palettes just happen. Um, it can't change that fact. And he didn't let that stop him from becoming an actor. And then Hallmark put him in a movie playing a millionaire. I just loved that. I really did. Um, the one complaint that I have though, is that there is no way Okay, at one point they go curling. There's absolutely no way that it is that easy. First time out, let me tell you, I have done that. I took my mom to a curling class as a Christmas present in 2018. So we went the day of the closing ceremonies of the 2018 Olympics. And it was great because Team USA men had just won the gold in curling, like total upset victory everyone was riding a high, you know, and my mom loves curling. I I forget when it got really big, maybe Vancouver. I'm trying to think. I was in college. So whatever the 20, wherever the 2010 Olympics were, I love the Olympics. Yeah, I think that was Vancouver. Anyway, 
she's loved curling ever since. So when I found out that there was a curling club here in Columbus, I was like, oh, we have to go. So we went. I was so proud of myself. So I'm a very clumsy person. I was so proud of myself with five minutes to go. I was like, this is great. I can't believe that I'm actually going to get through this and I'm not going to fall and make a fool of myself. This is what I'm thinking as I see someone else fall. Not 30 seconds later. I kid you not. Not 30 seconds go by. My mom and I are sweeping on the rock to get it to go from someone else. And I just went down. I don't even know how I went down. But one minute I was standing, the next second I went down so hard on my bad knee. I'm 32 and I already have an official bad knee. Anyway, got really super bruised. I also pulled a groin muscle. Let me tell you, that is so painful. So painful. I didn't realize that that's what I had done though. Or I was thinking that maybe I had pulled a groin muscle. And so I was just thinking, oh, walking, stretching it out will help. No, no, it doesn't. So it hurt to drive for a week legitimately nearly in tears for almost a week having to drive that's how bad it hurt and because it hurt so bad to drive I was like well I'll just walk because there's a Starbucks really close by to where I work so I'm like oh we'll just walk there (laughs) we'll walk to the library because that's also down the street no so painful did not make it better so yeah That's my one takeaway from that is that they totally embellished how easy curling is. It's not that easy. Curling is hard. I, major respect. I have so much major respect for the curlers. (laughs) I really do. I mean, they use muscles that we just don't even know about. That's all I have to say. Like, you're just not picking up a curling stone. Well, and you're also just not doing that because they're not, um, light, (laughs) Not that I thought that they were anyway, but yet, like, you're just not picking that up and just becoming a natural unless, unless you just have, like, God-given talent to it. But, um, no, you have to work on it. Otherwise, absolutely loved this one. It was super cute. The ending, it was a little bit of the miscommunication, but deservedly so. And there were really heartfelt conversations. I don't know. Loved it. Totally recommend. Rounding out the New Year New Movies was Snow Kissed, and you know, Hallmark, you can't win all the time. It stars Jen Lilly and Chris McNally, and I just need to say for the record, one, I love Chris McNally. Two, not that Jen Lilly is ever going to hear this. If you ever do, Jen, this is, it's not a you thing, I don't think, but I have yet to like a single role that you've had in a Hallmark movie. And I, yeah, I, oh, I just, I dislike all of them. I really do. Her characters, they are always so know-it-alls, like, just so stuck up, so pompous, and they never stop talking. And look, I know that's coming, that's me saying a lot because here I am talking on a podcast, but honestly, the best part about the whole movie was the ending could have been good. And I out loud said, will you please shut up? Because she would not stop talking. Anyway, it reads, a travel averse journalist, which is her character Kate, chases her dream assignment where she unwillingly finds herself mentoring a handsome B&B owner, which is Chris's character, who wants to be a tour guide. 
the whole thing was basically set up to fail, I feel like. Um, so she is, like they said, a travel averse journalist. She gets this assignment to interview the author of this book that she is absolutely obsessed with, has modeled her whole life after, but she has to go to Banff in Canada. Look, love that it's two movies in a row going to Banff. Love that. Now I just really want to go. Anyway, she shows up with her friend who also works with her and they realize that they're staying at this very brand new B&B with Chris's character Noah as the owner and look he's really bad at telling jokes and isn't really great at being a tour guide and she is just a know-it-all. She's absolutely a know-it-all and I mean at one point <laughs> like it's almost like the dislike between them was so palpable because their characters disliked each other and he just hated that she was always going on about how much she knew. So anyway, but this is what absolutely killed me. Okay. So with 30 minutes left and grant you, I was half paying attention this whole time because I just could not physically get into this movie whatsoever. But with 30 minutes to go, they kiss on a mountain in Banff. They're kissing on a mountain. But then she leaves and she's like, well, I just don't know if he even has feelings for me. Girl, why do you think he kissed you on a mountain? What do you mean you don't know if he likes you? I, 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 I couldn't. So anyway, she ends up going back. And then he was actually leaving to go to New York to see her. Like, I'm kind of giving away the ending, but I'm telling you, it's because you don't need to watch this one. And then she just doesn't shut up. She just keeps going on about just everything. And he's like, I, 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 I hated it. I, I hated it. I hated it. So there you go. I don't always love the Hallmark movies. And this one we'll never watch again. Did not like it. No, mm -mm, no. Moving on from Hallmark movies, let's get into first the book that I read for my Sockman Studios 2021 book club, which by the way, I'm the worst founding member of in the first place. However, my January book was this time next year. I mentioned it a few times in my stories. If you are not following along, you can do so on Instagram at Sockman Studios, Facebook, Twitter, Sockman Studios. And always feel free to send me an email at sockbunstudios at gmail.com. Anyway, mentioned it a couple of times, did my review on TikTok about it, but I will be better in future about the other books. January, though, like I said, this time next year by Sophie Cousins is how I assume you say her last name. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, so good. So good. I would read any book by her. It follows the story of Quinn and Minnie, two people born at the turn of 1990 on New Year's Eve, the first person in all of England to give birth on New Year's Day, January 1st, 1990, got this big cash bonus and a year's worth of diapers or a lifetime supply of diapers and a mention in the story. And it was Quinn's mother who gave birth seconds before Minnie's mother and set the course of her life. Um, Minnie believes that she has bad luck on New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day because of this. She grew up sort of just with this chip on her shoulder because her mother would always say, oh, that wouldn't happen to a Quinn uh, because she had also wanted to name 
Minnie Quinn, but Quinn's mother took the name Quinn. <laughs> so she got named Minnie and her last name was Cooper. Minnie Cooper. Um, which there are a lot of other car name jokes in there, which I thought was great. Anyway, in a turn of events, there are all of these flashbacks throughout the book leading to other New Year's Eve slash New Year Days, and they have actually met so many times, but they didn't know it until New Year's Eve 2019. Can I say that this book was obviously written, it came out last year in 2020, so it was written in 2019. Can I just say how weird it was to read quote-unquote present-day times in 2020 as if 2020 were normal? <laughs> like, I feel maybe that book was the precursor. Maybe that's why we had the 2020 that we did because this cute book was like, ah, 2020, same old, same old. No, no, no. There was no just swimming in Hyde Park. There's no uh, going out to parties and stuff. No, everyone, everyone was at home. Anyway, um, they meet on New Year's Eve 2019 at his birthday party that her current boyfriend is taking her to because Quinn's girlfriend at the time worked with Minnie's boyfriend at the time and had been, they got invited. She actually gets locked into a bathroom and has to spend the night there. Her boyfriend, Greg, who's not really that great at the end of the day. Not terrible, though. He redeems himself in the end, obviously, after they've broken up, but, um, he, yeah, he does get a kind of emotional line towards the end. But, yeah, he's not great at the beginning, I have to say. Um, thinks that she's just gone home, so he just leaves. So she ends up locked in the bathroom, and the next morning, she's pounding on the door. Quinn is the one that finds her, and that is when they officially meet. But I just have to say, oh, my gosh. There's this one flashback. Oh, I just can't where she's in India with her friend and it's all about this a dog that has fleas that she has become friends with and it's very weird because that flashback it was just her and her friend and you're this is like one of the first flashbacks you're like oh okay well past midway in the book it goes to his flashback to India where he realizes that he thinks that his girlfriend at the time is about to propose and guess what comes up? The dog with fleas. And he just, like, takes the dog. He's like, oh, well, this dog obviously has a home. I'm going to go take him to him, even though this dog clearly doesn't have a home. And you're like, oh, my God. They were even in India at the same time. And they just didn't know each other. They just hadn't meet, met yet. Anyway, so good. It was so cute. I read it in two days. So if you love fast reads like me, I highly recommend, you know, it's a New Year's Eve themed book, but you can really read it anytime because there are the flashbacks, but then it tracks January through the next year of all of 2020. So you can really read it anytime, but super cute. Highly recommend. Speaking of the book club, the February book club announcement is The Sunday Lunch Club by Juliet Ashton. So my friend Jen actually picked this one out. The back of it says, every few Sundays, Anna and her extended family and friends get together for lunch. They talk, they laugh, they bicker, they eat too much. Sometimes the important stuff is left unsaid. Other times it's said in the wrong way. 
Sitting between her ex-husband and her new lover, Anna is coming to terms with an unexpected pregnancy at the age of 40. Also at the table are her aging grandmother, her promiscuous sister, her flamboyantly gay brother, and a memory too terrible to contemplate. Until, that is, a letter arrives from the person Anna scarred all those years ago. Can Anna reconcile her painful past with her uncertain future? And the answer to that is, I do not know. Uh, Jen texted me yesterday saying she opened it up, started reading it, and she was already on page 70, and it had kept her on her toes. So I will be reporting back, like I said, over on my Instagram at Sockbun Studios. Once I read it, there will also be a one-minute TikTok review because I do love to do those. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that the genre of choice uh, for me and my friend Jen is... Um, anything British. <laughs> anything, anything by British author. You will hear us uh, talk a lot about Jill Mansell. She is one of our favorites. And I also love Sophie Kinsella, um, whose actual name is Madeline Wickham, who and that she's also written books under her actual name as well. So many. Sophie Cousins is also uh, British. Ah. That's just my, that's just my genre, guys. It doesn't matter what book I pick up. It always turns out to be a British author. Anyway, that is the February Book Club, Book Choice, The Sunday Lunch Club by Juliet Ashton. All right, lastly, for the January wrap-up, obviously, Bridgerton, I am not going to go into the show or really the first book, The Duke and I, because there are podcasts about that already, and they are super long. They're an hour long, but are we mad about it? No. I do need to say, though, because when I first made the first Bridgerton podcast, it had been estimated at that time, like two weeks out after it had debuted, that it was estimated to reach 63 million households. Uh, no, that number came in at 82 million households. Bridgerton has officially been renewed for season two, which is going to be all about Anthony's story. I just need to talk about Anthony's story really quick. The Viscount Who Loved Me. You know, I might actually do a full podcast about that book. <laughs> oh, well, I feel like I can't though. The books are still all sold out. So if you are like me and you are trying to get a hold of the books, do yourself a favor, go to Amazon and look, I'm trying to buy less stuff on Amazon this year, but you can get the first three books, which is The Duke and I, which is season one of the show, which is about Daphne and Simon, The Viscount Who Loved Me, which is Anthony's story, and then also an offer from a gentleman, which is Benedict's story, which I am in the middle of, so I'll touch on that very briefly. But The Viscount Who Loved Me, Guys, I cannot stress enough to you how poorly they have done show Anthony. Book Anthony, one million times better. And also Benedict, also Benedict, like, <laughs> so much better in the book than the show, honestly. Um, oh, gosh. I just cannot wait. See, but now I also have expectations 
Now I have expectations for season two and I know that those are going to get crushed. What I cannot wait though for season two is hopefully to find out what the heck is going on with Lord Featherington because if you've listened to the podcast roundup on the differences between the Duke and I, the book slash season one of the show, none of that exists. Absolutely none of that exists. Still, the Featheringtons in general, outside of Penelope, have been mentioned all of maybe five pages worth. They are, okay, I will say they are more heavily mentioned in Anthony's story. Philippa, not Philippa, I'm sorry, um, Portia, Lady Featherington, the mother, is very much the busybody in Anthony's story. So, I just need answers, though. I need answers about Lord Featherington. I need them. I need to know who's going to inherit their estate. I cannot wait for season two. Can we just have a moment of silence, though, for the fact that we're basically not getting another Bridgerton season until 2022 because it took them a total of nine months to film the first season? So... And they're not starting filming again until March of this year. Yeah. We're just all pouring one out. We're just all pouring one out. Who's going to make the real whistle down account? Who is going to make a real life whistle down account? I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I don't know. Anyway, Anthony's book. Like I said, they did show Anthony so wrong. Book Anthony... Honestly, it's going to be really hard to top him out of all of the men. It really is. Like, he's just so good. He's so good. I just love him. Oh my gosh, I love him so much. Anyway, he, like the show, has decided that he is ready to get married and love is of no consequence. Now, unlike the show, the reason that he says that in the show is because he has finally had his heart broken by Sienna because she's like, you really need to move on. And in the book, Sienna exists, but as a side note, like, there is mention that they had, they, they had a thing, but, like, they didn't have a thing. Like, they had the thing in the show. Um, so, anyway, he has decided he is going to marry that season, which is 1814, so it should be taking place the year after Simon and Daphne's story. Um, anyway, he's decided he's going to marry the Diamond of the First Water, uh, the incomparable of the season, and her name is Edwina. I need to first state that Edwina is, like, 17. So... We're definitely going to have to age that one up, okay? But it's not even about Edwina. It's about her actual stepsister, Kate Catherine Sheffield. So even though Anthony has said the one thing he does not want to do is fall in love because he does not want to leave Okay, how best do I say this? So his father dies of a bee sting. 
this is how the book starts. This is why bees are so huge in the show. And at the time I had not read any of the books. So I'm like, why are there these random bees? Um, and we all know that his parents loved each other very much. And so he has decided this affected him deeply that he doesn't ever want to be in love with his spouse because he doesn't want her to suffer um, because he thinks ultimately he's going to die early in life. Um, so he doesn't want to be in pain loving a woman and then dying early. And he also doesn't want to leave the mother of his children um, sad because he's gone early. Like he's therapy therapy. Can't say that highly enough. Therapy. They all need it. Um, anyway, although he is going out for Edwina, who's 17 and he's 29. Like, it's just, it's not right. It's not right. And we don't like it. He gets caught up with her stepsister, Kate, who absolutely cannot stand him. She hates him. <laughs> but... Edwina let it be known that in order to win her affection, Kate has to sign off on the approval. So Colin at this party, at this ball, gets it from Kate. They they um, are talking because we love Colin. He's a sweet angel baby. And then he plays the hell out of Anthony. He goes, you'll have no trouble winning her over. No trouble at all. A shy, aging spinster? She's probably never received attention from such a man as you. She'll never know what hit her. You can't fail. You simply can't fail. Trust me. I spent a few minutes in conversation with her earlier this evening, and she could not say enough about you. We love Colin. And if Colin is not here, and he does not say this... Oh my gosh. So Anthony gets set up by Colin and then he quickly realizes that Kate hates him. She cannot stand him. And while they're in the middle of this dance, she, <laughs> she says, you are a rake. You are a rogue. You are in fact notorious for being both. I would not allow my sister within 10 feet of you. And he's like, oh really? Because I already danced with her. And she's like, it won't be happening again. And he's kind of taunting her. So she steps on his foot very hard. And he's like, um, you have issued me, this is what he says, you have issued me a most delicious challenge. And this one, she steps on his foot. And he's just incensed. He just cannot believe this is happening. But he's already kind of taken fire, which is good because Kate's 21 and... Yeah, that's a lot better than 17. Anyway, I mean, I know it was the times, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I just, I have expectations, though, and I know that they're not going to be fully met, especially because show Anthony was just <sighs> stupid compared to book Anthony. So, I don't know, but I can't wait, and I, I can't wait to see who plays Kate, I'm, uh, I'm so excited. There is kind of like a croquet match. Gets very heated. It actually gets brought up for, like in another book. Oh, which I just love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't wait. Quickly before I wrap up, I am in the middle of Benedict's book, which is an offer from a gentleman. 
and I'm getting hard a Cinderella story vibes. Uh, he falls for Sophie, who is an illegitimate daughter to an earl who gets remarried. So he takes um, responsibility of her and everything's fine, but he's like never really around. He marries a terrible woman who has two daughters and she just decides that she hates Sophie. She tells the girls they're not allowed to play with her. And when he dies, um, I do love this though. He put it in the will. This is money set aside for Sophie and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, this is really all I'm getting. And then it says, if she will keep Sophie until she's 21 in the house, she'll get it this much extra money. And like, we don't have to like him, but we do have to like the fact that at least he was looking out for Sophie because he realized that his new wife was terrible and money hungry. Anyway, um, Sophie then turns into just a maid, obviously very, very Cinderella story-esque. Um, she gets to go to a masquerade party <laughs> at Bridgerton House, a very Cinderella story, and she meets Benedict. They dance on a private balcony. He doesn't know who she is. Midnight comes. He wants to, like, unmask her to see who she is because he's in love and she's in love and she runs off. And then it fast forwards three years in time. So I don't know how any of this is going to come about, but I can't wait. I did have this thing, though. I do this terrible thing where I like to read the end of books. Uh, sometimes, like, if they're really good, I'll just flip to the back really quick because I'm like, if I don't know how it ends right here and now, I'll just stay up until four o'clock in the morning reading. And so I basically read and then I just kept flipping back. So I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? So I'm really just missing the middle of the book right about now. Um, but I like where it's going. I, Benedict, 100%, not going to be my favorite. I, I will say this, um, because, so he doesn't realize who Sophie is three years later because men, because what are men? Why? Why would they, this is, I mean, this is very clearly Chad Michael Murray, Hillary Duff, Cinderella story. Like, how? She, all she had on was something covering her eyes. How could you possibly not recognize who she was? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Anyway, he does not recognize Sophie, although she has changed a lot more. Um, She's cut her hair off because she's fallen on hard times. And he kind of rescues her from someone else. And then he falls ill. These are the things that I'm missing in the story so far. But... He realizes that whoever she is, that he likes her and he wants to make her his mistress, basically, because he's like, well, I can't marry you, but I love you. And I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. No, I'm really not. Um, Yeah, I I don't like that. Like it got to a point where I was really excited while I was reading towards the end of it, you know, without reading the middle of it. And then literally he says, but I can never marry you, but you can be my mistress. And my, when I tell you my mouth fell open, I mean, it fell open. I was like, what? Excuse me? 
I, I just, I've been a dick. Absolutely not okay. Anyway, in the end, does work out for them. I stand Violet Bridgerton more and more with every book. Man, she really comes through in the third book, though, with Benedict and Sophie. I, yeah, it's pretty good. So, yeah, I guess I can say as my January wrap-up, unless I finish this book uh, over the weekend, which I very well could do, I have read three and a half books in the month of January. Not too shabby. I can't complain. I really can't. Well, guys, on that note, I'm going to head out of here because I have a lot of things to prep up for this Friday, February 5th. Can't believe I'm saying February. There will be a huge drop in my shop, which is SockBunStudios.com. There will be candy heart mask release. They are all hand dyed masks, so no two will be the same. I've had these masks sitting at my house since the summer, never finished them off, finally did that. They will be ready to ship. Very excited. There will also be the re-release of the Bridgerton line because I have found the sweatshirts and shirts and the colors that I needed. Finally, praise. They are back in stock. So I hope you're ready for all of the beautiful lilac and baby blue things. Get in, loser. We're going to the Modiste. Only find it at SackBoneStudios.com. Very excited about it. And... Yeah, I've got some more books to read and more Hallmark movies to watch. So remember, guys, until next time, there are no bad hair days. I will see you next week. Oh, and because I always forget to say this anywhere else, remember to give this a five-star review anywhere that it is that you listen to podcasts and write nice things. Okay, yeah, I think that's how we say that. Let's go with that.